0: Leviticus chapter number 13 it's all about leprosy and leprosy is a very interesting disease problem that you find in the word of God a very unusual medical condition. Leprosy has been compared to sin and hopefully by the end of the day you understand the comparisons but leprosy was an unusual disease it would slowly eat away at a person's body at their uh, extremities at their fingers, their nose, their eyes. It would eat away at their feeling, uh, the, the the ability to even feel the nerve endings. Uh, and uh, it was just an awful, awful thing. <clears throat> and God gave a lot of instruction over a chapter, uh, a long chapter and more on the subject of leprosy. So here we are in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse Number, I'm going to just pick it up in verse 9. When the plague of leprosy is in a man, then he shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall see him. And behold, if the rising be white in the skin, and it have turned the hair white, and there be quick raw flesh in the rising, it is an old leprosy in the skin of his flesh. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. Look at verse 44. He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. It's interesting that the word unclean is used to describe leprosy as opposed to just he's sick or he has a disease. Verse 45, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled." He is unclean, he shall dwell alone, without the camp shall his habitation be. And let me just say only in the rare occasions when you read in the Bible of people who were cured of leprosy or were cleansed of leprosy, only those rare occasions uh, do we find that people ever recovered from this and it was only if God stepped in and did a miracle. Otherwise, people just slowly died from this horrible uh, predicament. But it is a picture of sin. It's a horrible but accurate picture. Because just as leprosy does what it does physically, so sin does what it does spiritually. Bible says in Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, uh, and I'll just have you turn there real quick, and we'll go back to there later. But Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, There is none that doeth good, No, not one. Romans chapter 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. And the thing about leprosy is if it starts slow and you've only got it in maybe one portion of your body, maybe in your arm or something like that, or, uh, or maybe in your leg, you might try to hide it. And there's good reason for wanting to hide it because if people found out about it, you were to be banished and to be removed from society. But the thing about leprosy is, is it would spread; it wouldn't just stay by itself. And so there is a lot of connections here, and we'll talk about those today as we go through this together. Secondly, it is unfortunately also hereditary. In first, or excuse me, Second Kings chapter five, there's a story of Gehazi who uh, coveted uh, the gold and and the jewels and the things that that Naaman, who had just been healed of leprosy, was offered offering Elijah and. Elijah didn't take it. And so Gehazi said, well, I'll take it. And so he quietly went and snuck out and lied to Naaman and asked if he could have the wealth. And of course, God knew about it. And so Gehazi was cursed with leprosy as it says at the end of the chapter that the rest of his posterity, all of his family would be lepers all the way down to this present day. And just as leprosy can be hereditary, sin is hereditary. The reason why you're a sinner is because Your parents were sinners. The reason why I'm a sinner is because my parents were sinners and because my grandparents were sinners and my great-grandparents. See, just like leprosy, sin is hereditary, and we get it from Adam and Eve. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So by Adam's disobedience and Eve's disobedience, we have sin in our lives as well. We inherited that sinful nature, and we commit our own sin. So leprosy is a picture of sin, it's hereditary. it starts out small, as I said, but then it spreads. James chapter number one and verse number fourteen and fifteen, James one fourteen says, "But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, Bringeth forth death. It starts out small, but it never stops growing. It just starts out small, and it seems to be insignificant and not a big deal, but it spreads. James chapter 3 and verse 5, it talks about the tongue. Even so, the tongue is a little member boasting great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and set on fire the course of nature, and set on fire of hell. Remember years ago, someone who lives in Custer, drove on the side of the road between here and Newcastle, and decided in a hot summer August day, to light a match and to toss it into some dry grass. About eighty five thousand acres later They finally put out the fire. Listen, it doesn't take much to start a forest fire. And the Bible likens a tongue to a fire. What does it mean? The gossip. And, you know, a lot of times sin starts out small, but it spreads like wildfire. And it does great damage. Look with me in Proverbs chapter number 6. Speaking of the tongue, there are things that God hates and Proverbs chapter number 6, it says in verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue. How bad of a lie do you need to tell to be a liar? Just as long as it's not true. Or half true. You know, a lot of times we lie by only giving out half of the story. Or only telling... Years ago, I have a friend in heaven, he used to go to church here, his name is Dominic. Dominic was a painter. Dominic was on a ladder downtown. He had a paint bucket in one hand and a brush in the other. I drove by and I saw him up on the ladder painting. And I honked and I waved. And Dominic turned and he just kind of went like that with his head. I went home and I told somebody, you know something? I honked and waved at Dominic and he didn't wave back. That's the truth. But it's a lie. See what I'm saying? A lot of times we can do that. We can tell just half the story and it's not really true. And it's interesting that the leprosy walked around saying, unclean, unclean. There's a lot of stuff that comes out of here that's just unclean. And when we're not careful, mom and dad, it's one thing if you got garbage inside of you, it's one thing if you've got emotion inside of you that's troubling you. It's another thing when you puke it out into the family. It's another thing when you do way too much of this. I'm not talking about husbands and wives, although I will caution you that there's some things that would be better if nobody even heard because it's not going to even help them either. But there are kids dragging around a lot of stuff that they didn't even ever need to hear, let alone your neighbor or your coworker like a fire that spreads into a wildfire starts out small but it spreads and of course that's just the tongue there's lots of things but i'll just finish reading this but a lying tongue hands that said innocent blood and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations feet that be swift and running to mischief a false witness there's another tongue item that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among brethren It's so important that we recognize how serious sin is. Every pornography problem and addiction started out with something small. Every drug addict or any other addict out there started out small. Every addiction that we know of starts out with something simple and small, but it spreads. And just as the lepers were to cry, unclean, unclean, why? Because it will spread and it will spread quickly. And imagine if you get it in your arm but you just decide to wear long sleeve coats for the rest of the time. And imagine how hurt and how, and how upset family and co-workers are when they find out you've been hiding it under your sleeve and it's been contaminating them as well and spreading. I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here but The masks were for the people who were sick, not for all the healthy. We'll we'll just save that for some other time. But it starts out small and then it spreads. Number four, it does not produce sharp pain, but rather a dull numbness. Medical doctors will tell you that what happens is, is that eventually the numbing starts to take over your extremities and Part of the issue and the reason why their fingers rot off and and their noses rot off and their earlobes and and, and things start to just, is because they can no longer feel it anymore. I think something called neuropathy might be similar where you can kick your toe against something and you don't even know you've broken or kicked your toe. Against it. And after a while, because of the damage that you've done without even knowing you've done damage, it just gets worse and infected and, and broken and, and diseased. And, and so it's just a, it just a compounded problem, is what it is. Because it doesn't produce a sharp pain. We all think sharp pain's terrible, but sharp pain helps. Otherwise, you'd just keep your hand on the hot stove. But sharp pain is a blessing because you pull it away quickly because it's danger. But rather, just a, a dull, numbness That's what leprosy does. Look with me at some comparisons with that, and we go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, because sin does that too. Did you know that? 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and here it is, having their conscience seared with a hot iron your conscience just as a cauterization can take place can be seared like a hot iron and people in this world today walk around with what seems to be no conscience at all because sin has seared that conscience sometimes we see some horrible wicked evil being done and we say how could someone that seared conscience that's how that's what sin does that's why we should constantly be reminding warm parents to get well, maybe your conscience and maybe your life's got issues, but don't sear their life. Come on. Allow them to have that innocency and protect that conscience. You're not doing them any favors when you enlighten them with your filthy experience and education. Conscience seared with a hot iron. Chapter 6 of 1 Timothy and verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Sin causes you to just abuse yourself and to pierce yourself through with many sorrows and hurts that you can't even feel anymore. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. There are people in this world that have their understanding darkened and they've given themselves over to anything cruel and wicked for the sake of money for the sake of their own wealth and power, whatever it might be. They could care less if the money they make is at the hands of someone's life and the blood is spilled. That, that means nothing to them. They could care less if someone becomes addicted to something awful, if they can make a dollar off of it, or whatever it might be, and the, the rape and the pillaging and things that people do. This is why. Because why? Because leprosy numbs and retards and takes away the pain and gives a dullness instead And sin does the same thing so that people are without a conscience and without feeling their past feeling, it says. We see that in our world today. Not only that, but because they are past feeling, they have to do extraordinary things to feel something. And so their entertainment becomes more extravagant and more crazy. And all of a sudden, this certain drug or this certain drink no longer thrills like it used to. So they try something even more potent to feel something again. And the entertainment industry has turned into this. And Hollywood has slid way into this because that's the reason. Sin causes you to be numb to these things. To the point now where as a school bus driver, I am horrified at some of the conversations I hear sometimes behind me because children know more about stuff than I ever knew when I was older than them as a young person. And just like leprosy, sin, it just provides a dull dumbness so that they've got to seek it yet again. That comes straight out of the Bible. Do you know that? Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23 and verse 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it bindeth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eye shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. I don't know about you, but sleeping in the crow's nest of a ship out in the middle of the ocean does not sound like a fun place to be you're clutching and clinging for dear life and you're getting whipped and ripped to shreds by hurricane-type winds and rain. And that's what this person is. In verse 35, listen to what he says, though. This is the amazing part. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, the drunkard, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again just as leprosy robs you of your of your ability to feel so sin robs you and you become past feeling and all of a sudden you're just seeking for more and more to try to feel some excitement and some entertainment again and this is a perfect picture of sin and of any addiction and i have addiction it's called sin we all have a sin addiction We all have a propensity and desire to do things we ought not. And in in some cases, it doesn't take long for Satan to figure out what that is and to throw it in our face again. And even though it brought horrible heartache and destruction before, for whatever reason, we foolishly say, I want to seek it again. That's what sin does, much like leprosy. And as I've already alluded to, if you, again, Turn with me to James chapter number one. We'll read it one more time. But James chapter number one. And verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And that'd be bad enough as it is, but this gets worse. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See, leprosy doesn't kill immediately. It's not like a heart attack or, or an instant death. It's a, it's a slow death. And it brings sin. It brings a disease. It brings a problem. But it's just slow and gradual. And it gradually destroys the body until it finally kills it. Galatians verse, chapter 6, verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Wesley, young boys say, see, I smoked, and it didn't kill me. It will eventually. Young boys say, well, I, I took a drink, and I woke up from it, and it's not like I'm dead, nothing happened. Eventually, that'll end up in death and destruction. Somebody else, if not you, will pay for that. It's amazing how a lot of times when there's a drunk driver accident, the person who didn't get hurt was the drunk. But in order to keep from the guilt of knowing what he's done, he has to keep drinking. And it's not just that. There's all kinds of sin and pornography and molestation and, and child pornography and, 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 and even if it's not child pornography, just the exposure of this filth to these young minds and how corrupted they are before they have a chance to even grow up and know beauty in God. And slowly and gradually it destroys you. That's what sin does. As by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so the death has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. And again, you may not feel like you're dying today or even going to die in the next year or 10 years or 50 years, but the truth is, you're dying. Everybody in here is closer to death than you've ever been because we are sinful people, we're sinners. And sin gradually destroys and ruins and defeats. And though those who are not saved are going to die in their sin. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3, talks about how that when we're saved, we are quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. In time past, we had our conversation, our lifestyle in the lust of the flesh. And people do what they do because they're just trapped in it. That's all they know if you and I could go visit a leper colony today, or better yet, a leper colony from about 2,000 years ago, and you and I could go visit this leper colony, we would be horrified and disgusted at some of the things they were doing. But if you were to ask them, they'd say, this is just how we do it. What do you mean it's gross? I mean, what do you expect us to do? It's all we've got. And you'd see people fumbling around trying to carry things. And you, Are they worried about cleanliness? Are you kidding? They're all dirty. And the filth and the rottenness, it's not enjoyable. It's just slow, de- desperate, disgusting. Slowly, gradually destroys the body until it finally kills it. Here's another very sad one. It separates a person from God. And from God's people. Remember Leviticus 13 verse 44. We read this. He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is. His clothes shall be rent. His head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip. And shall cry unclean and unclean. And and verse 46 says. In all the days wherein the plague shall be in him. He shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. And without the camp shall his habitation be. You see, the sad part is, is that when you were discovered to have leprosy, you didn't want to tell anybody. But you had to. Because if you loved anybody around you, you had to let them know, I can't be around you anymore because I'm going to contaminate you and, and therefore I've got to move out of the house and I've got to go live with all the other lepers. Number six, it separates a person From his family, from God's people, and from God. Just like leprosy, that's what sin does. I don't mean to be hurtful in saying this, but I know it's true of people in this room, and I'm not trying to be hurtful. It's true of my own grandparents. But sin causes divorce, and sin separates families. Can you imagine the children and the spouses crying as they watched their leper loved one walk away? Do you think they got over that in one day? Do you think children ever get over it? That's what sin does. It's not just a leprosy. Bible says in Isaiah 59, your sins, your iniquities have separated me between, between you and your God. We've been separated because of sin, and that's why we are dying and on our way to hell, because sin separates us from God. But it doesn't just separate us from God. We know it separates us from other people too. Revelation chapter number 21 and 22. Revelation 21, this is the ultimate separation. <clears throat> Talking about heaven and the new earth, the new world. In Revelation twenty one twenty seven, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Ultimately, when we stand before God, it will be over as far as time is concerned, and no thing, no thing allowed that is abominable or wicked. Those only which are written in the Lamb's book of life who've been saved and forgiven and cleansed. Look at chapter 22 and verse 15. For without, <clears throat> without this beautiful place are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Sin ultimately separates us from our loved ones our neighbors, our co-workers, everyone. Because on judgment day, only the saved will stand before God righteous and cleansed. And the rest will be separated. He'll divide the sheep from the goats. And you might read that list and say, but I'm guilty of murder. I'm guilty of robbery. I'm guilty of filthy, wicked things. I've done those things. And I know I have. I've got good news for you. There's cleansing. Remember I said the only way to get rid of leprosy is if God stepped in? And praise God, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were times where God healed lepers. May may I say it this way? He cleansed lepers. That's why I love this passage. And you'll hear me read this over and over again, but I'm going to read it again today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not, verse 9, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Boy, that puts a lot of us in a bad situation right there. Because there's somebody in here that's probably guilty of something on that list. And I think I'm included in that. Jesus said if you look in lust in your heart on a woman, that's adultery in your heart. I'm guilty of that. I'm not proud of it, but I'm guilty. And maybe you're not guilty of that one, but maybe you're guilty of a different one on that list. But I'm so thankful for verse 11. Because Corinthians were a bunch of people in Corinth who were going to church, and they were this church in Corinth, and they had a lot of past. They had a lot of stuff and baggage in their life. And it says in verse 11, and such, that whole list, verse 9 and 10, that's quite a list. And such were, you should underline the word were, and such were some of you. Yeah, it's true. That is a part of my past, but praise God, it's my past. And such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And when you've received the cleansing from Christ, you don't have to stay separated because of what you've done in your life. Now, let me also say this, and we'll keep moving. It doesn't say, and such are some of you. There's this goofy teaching that goes around that, the grace of God allows us to just keep being the same. That's not, that's not so. And such were some of you. Used to be, but not now. God's cleansed you. Now, number seven. With that in mind, let's go back to Leviticus chapter 13 because I have to show you something. It's kind of weird. Leprosy can only be cleansed when it's fully admitted to the priest. Leviticus chapter 13 and verse number 12, it says, And if a leprosy break out abroad in the skin, and the leprosy cover all the skin of him that hath the plague, from his head even to his foot, wheresoever the priest looketh. In other words, he is completely covered with leprosy from head to toe. Then the priest shall consider, and behold, if the leprosy have covered all his flesh, he shall pronounce him This doesn't make sense. He shall pronounce him clean that hath the plague. It is all turned white he is clean. So let me get this straight. If you've got leprosy, you're a leper and you're unclean. And if you've got leprosy uh, over almost all of your body, but you've got some portion that's still clean and still uh, alive and and isn't infected yet, you're you're unclean. But if it's from your head to your toe and you are completely covered in it, you're pronounced clean. I I am sure, in fact, the first time I read that, I thought, I I wonder if that's a misprint. I hate to say that about the Bible. It's not. Sure sounds like it, though. And I would only imagine that there are probably some priests saying, with that in mind, turn over to Luke chapter 5. We're almost done, but I've got to show you this. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 12. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, this is Jesus when he was in a certain city, behold, a man, notice the next word, behold, a man, what? Full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean, and I'm not going to say I can say this verifying this for tr- for truth, but I-, I can only imagine that maybe he went to... One of the priests and said, look, according to Leviticus, when I'm full, I'm to be pronounced clean. And the priest said, I just can't do it because it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand it. You're full of leprosy. Why would I just release you back into society? I mean, how can I pronounce you clean? And the, so the leper hears about Jesus and goes to Jesus and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. In verse 13, he put forth his hand and touched him. He touched the leper and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. just odd. I, I brought these two chairs in here. I wanted to use them as an illustration. It's just odd. But you know, I, I love what the Bible says, and we, we mentioned it in Sunday school this morning, that God says that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He's different than we are around the way we think. We just don't, we don't think according to his thinking. Look at verse 31, Luke 5, 31. Jesus said, And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole... Need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There are no quotation marks in the old King James Bible, but I think you could say it this way They that are quote unquote whole need not a physician. I didn't come to call the quote unquote righteous but sinners to repentance. Remember Romans chapter 10 says, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Christ. And I can just see as these lepers become lepers and they start to have this leprosy issue. And I can only imagine that any man or woman who started to develop leprosy in an arm or a leg would automatically say, but I know other lepers that have it worse than I do. Can I tell you something? There's a whole bunch of us that say, but I know someone that's a much bigger sinner than I am. I didn't come to call the righteous. See, God's got a problem with one group of people, self-righteous. I came to call the sinners to repentance. Reason why you can't understand that message is because you don't think you are. In Luke chapter number 7, there's the story of this woman who was known as a sinner. And he was invited to this Pharisee's house in Luke 7, starting in verse 36 to the end of the chapter. And this woman was known to be a sinner. And she was weeping and crying and wiping his feet with her, her hair and her tears. And And, and the, the Pharisee thought, boy, if he knew what kind of a sinner she was, he wouldn't even allow her to touch him. Oh, Jesus says there in chapter 7 concerning this woman, reading his thoughts, Simon's thoughts, he, he says, Seest this woman, verse 44, I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. What does that mean, pastor? Let me read one more passage. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Jesus tells this parable of two people, two men. Verse 10. Verse 9 says, It was a parable Unto certain which trusted in themselves, again, trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. In verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, just like Simon, a a very goody two-shoes person, one who could keep the law and had good record and blah, blah, blah. And the other a publican, a tax collector who would steal and skim off the top and take extra in taxes. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing far off in the, t- in the same temple would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Pastor, what does this mean? As a human being, it's not long before I realize I have sin. I have sin. Everybody in this room, you're a sinner whether you know it or not. I think you probably know it. But I'm not as bad of a sinner as some other people I know. Can I tell you something? Just like I said earlier, you only have to steal one thing to be a thief. And you only have to sin one time to be a sinner. It doesn't matter if your sin's not as bad in your eyes as somebody else's sins. And it's true. There are people that have not done the same sins that other people have done. But when you're a leper and you start to realize that you've got a problem, you want God. You would love for God to help and fix it. And so you, you, you kind of reach over to God. See, now I'm trusting in two chairs. I was trusting in just one chair, the self-righteous chair. Now I'm trusting in two chairs. I'm trusting in the self-righteous chair, but I also need God. Here's what my observation is about human nature, including my own. Most of us know we need God. We just don't know how much we need God. Most humans know that they, and they want God to be there to fix this problem they have. And you know what a merciful God does? A merciful God allows you to get full of it. Because it happens to a person who gets full of it. When when that one leper in Luke chapter five looked in the mirror and realized I'm not just a leper. I'm completely full of it. That's all I am as a leper. I used to argue with God about how I have some good in me. I used to argue with God about how that there is a lot more good than bad, and, and now I'm just nothing but a sinner. One day you walk into the temple and there's a Pharisee saying, God, I thank you that I'm not as bad of a sinner as Suga. And the sinner's saying, God, The sinner says, God, I don't have anything to stand on over there. There's not anything self-righteous in me. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I have it from my head to my toe. I sing amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Not amazing grace that saved a pretty good guy like me. Guess what? Most people in America sing Amazing Grace that saved a fairly good person like me. I need a little bit of God. This might help you to understand some other Christians you know. Maybe even some Christians in this room, quote unquote. You're not saved if you're trusting in both chairs. You're not saved if you've got a little bit of God to help you out in the parts you don't have control over. You're saved when you put all of it on Jesus Christ. When you see yourself as nothing but a sinner. Isaiah 64 says all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I am a wretch. I am no good. I'm on my way to hell. This doesn't work. And repentance is when you stop trusting in self and you trust in him and him alone. They being ignorant of God's righteousness have gone about to establish their own righteousness and they've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of Christ. It goes on in Romans chapter 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simon, the reason why you don't love me because you didn't need me in your eyes. But this woman who has not stopped crying and loves me and kisses my feet over and over again, you know why? She was forgiven much and she knows it. We get this religion game where, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And I think that's what talk radio feeds off of. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. That's what gossip's all about. Why I didn't do that? Oh, I hope you get to the point where you say, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean, wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's salvation. That's why crooks and criminals and horrible people who've done awful things can be saved and do get saved because they don't have this hang up called self righteousness like you and I have. And I know and I have met some who are guilty of murder and deserve to spend the rest of their life on death row. However, because of salvation, when they die, they are going to heaven. Because one day they saw themselves as you and I must see ourselves full. I am full. I'm a sinner. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 talks about knowing that we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ the righteous, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Lord, I'm full, but I know that if you want to, you can make me clean. And he will. <laughs>